Thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast for Reformation Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. Our series is Forgotten Books of the Bible, and our reading today comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 14 through 18, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. You can find us online at reformationlasvegas.org. Thanks for listening. God bless you this day and always. A reading from Ruth. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, and he was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first, and you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, for all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am a near kinsman, there is another kinsman, more closely related than I. Remain this night. And in the morning, if he will act as next of kin for you, good, let him do it. If he is not willing to act as next of kin for you, then, as the Lord lives, I will act as next of kin for you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before one person could recognize another. For he said, it must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Then he said, bring the cloak you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her back. Then he went into the city. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe in your neighborhood it's quiet at night. I'm out here in my backyard. This is my neighborhood. This is where I live where the sound of traffic in the distance, the hum of air conditioners, 
the chickens scratching in the coop. These are the lullabies that sing us to sleep. It's not the peaceful Wendell Berry image of middle America. There have been quite a lot of fireworks lately, nearly a month after the 4th of July. The occasional helicopters, a few loud parties on the weekends. What can I say? We find ourselves in the middle of the action. We live downtown. Las Vegas is still a 24-hour town where people go to work at night. They live by a different rhythm. There's a lot of things going on out there. There's a different energy at night. And years ago, I remember at 10 o'clock, we might just be getting showered, getting ready, dressed up for a night out. Before we had kids, Ivy and I would go meet up with friends, go to a nightclub, a party, go see some live music. There were some adventures at night. There were some difficult mornings. And as different as our lives are now, I wouldn't trade it for the world. In this current season of life, I would much rather be in bed by 11, but sometimes I miss that feeling, that anticipation of where the night might lead. We tend to associate the night with danger, with the unknown, right? When most people are asleep and we wonder what those folks out there at night must be up to. Nothing good happens after midnight. Maybe your parents warned you of that. Nights in cities right now, this very night in Portland, Chicago, right here in our city have been active with protests, violence and trouble. It's no wonder some are afraid of the dark. I remember not too long ago, the power went out here on our street and it was almost midnight. And with all the street lights out, it was a little eerie. But even then the moon was shining bright. I was more afraid the air conditioner was off or our ice might melt in the freezer. But there's beauty at night. The summer is a great time to drive out past the lights of the Las Vegas Strip out to Red Rock or Sandy Valley or Moapa to look up at that night sky. Uh, this weekend, just tonight, tomorrow night, you can get out and see the comet Neowise coming close to our planet. Meteor showers are peaking early this week. There's so much to see and the night seems to still have this feeling of mystery, of wonder. Luther prayed in his evening prayer, I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me my sins and where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me so that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Did you memorize that one? Do you say it? What a blessing and relief it is to wake up in the morning, to know you made it through another night, to find a new day and recognize what a gift we have been given, this gift of life, another opportunity to live joyfully, to go about our work, to grow and learn and love. In this story from the book of Ruth, we hear about a night that changed the course of history. Boaz was up at night working on the threshing floor. That's when the work was done, up there at the base of the mountain, beating those sheaves of grain against the floor outside, where the evening breeze would blow away the chaff and the grain would be bundled up and taken back to the house. 
and it was sometimes that the harvesters or the owner of the field would sleep out there to protect the harvest. Naomi sends Ruth there under the cover of night to meet up with him. Always loyal, she obeys, of course, though she waits, as she's instructed, until after he's had his food, maybe a couple of drinks. The work is done. She finds her way there after he's asleep. Sounds like a romantic encounter, and that may be, but more important here is this loyalty, this chesed, steadfast love that Ruth displays, not just for Boaz, but for the sake of Naomi, for her family, and for the future. We shared last week about Ruth's immigrant story and the difficulties she would have faced as a Moabite foreigner in this new home. We might also notice in this book the way that Ruth becomes what is sometimes referred to in our culture as a model minority. This way of stereotyping can be just as harmful as the other assumptions we make about people from other places. Sarah Soonling Blackburn writes that, like all stereotypes, the model minority myth erases the differences among individuals. To look at someone and assume certain traits, even if we count them as positive, fails to allow them to be a fully unique individual. Reminds me of Philip inviting Nathaniel to come and meet Jesus, to come and meet the Messiah in John's Gospel. When Philip invites his friend to come and meet Jesus, do you remember what he says? Can anything good come from Nazareth? What if that preconceived notion had kept him away? What would he have missed? Boaz notices Ruth because she's a hard worker. We read that in the scripture. She knows her role. She doesn't expect to be entitled to anything so far away from her homeland. And in this third chapter of of the story, we see Ruth living into another stereotype. We see her meeting a man in a possibly scandalous nighttime meeting. She's reenacting that story of Lot and his daughters who at night waited for their father to get drunk and went into the tent to uncover him. Is that what we're supposed to think about women from Moab? It's important to recognize these things in the text since we can fall into the same traps. The story gives us room to ponder these things, these assumptions for ourselves. Is Ruth's only value in the ways that she lives up to these expectations for the benefit of the dominant culture? Are immigrants in our nation only worthy when they assimilate and do things the way that we would do them? They're good things to think about. There at the threshing floor, Boaz sees more than Ruth the Moabite, a hard worker who uses her sexuality to coerce or accomplish a goal. He calls her a different word. He calls her Eset Shail, She is a worthy woman. Eset Shail can mean woman of honor, woman of valor. She's valuable. She's hardworking, yes, but more than a good employee, she works to protect and care for Naomi to secure her future. She's loving, yes, but not in a shameful or scandalous way, but pledges herself to Boaz. She even proposes marriage to him. She asks him to cover her with his cloak this sign of protection, knowing he's one who can redeem her and make a difference in their lives. 
mentioned or not in the story, we can infer that God is active in these things, bringing these two together for the sake of the redemption of the whole world. The story opens a window for us to see our own stories, our world and our culture, and find hope for the future. We do face a difficult time as a nation and as a world. We hear these stories about people being detained without charges, scooped up off the street into unmarked vans. People's civil rights are being violated. Cities seem unsafe. Violence abounds. Relationships are strained. Our online discourse descends into inarticulate personal attacks, even between family members. How can we hold on to a vision for a new tomorrow, to a new day in our world? One of the most repeated phrases in Scripture, they say it in there 365 times. It's not quite, but it's a lot. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We hear it in this reading today from the mouth of Boaz. We hear it in Scripture from angels. They say, do not be afraid. And of course, we hear it from Jesus himself. Boaz tells Ruth, do not be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. He will make it known that she is a woman of valor. She is worthy of acceptance, of love and honor. He will secure safety for her and a future for her family. He will not shame her. She took a risk to go to that threshing floor and things could have been much worse. She'd likely been afraid since the day her first husband died. And she lived with that fear every day, you can imagine, on the journey to Israel, out there in the fields, gleaning, wondering what she would eat. And at night, especially when they were unsure of what tragedy might find them next. Our lives are sometimes one long night where the thoughts that keep us awake chase us all day long. We might fear losing jobs, being evicted, those calls from debt collectors, alienation from families, facing terminal diagnoses. Many of us fear for our world as we face this pandemic, where more people are dying every day right here in Nevada. Many of us fear for our churches. Will we be able to survive these difficult times? And even then, will the next generations carry on this faith after we're gone? Some live with these fears and more every single day. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. These words Jesus spoke so many times, especially we remember that one after his resurrection. He visited the disciples who were in hiding. They were afraid. And there were people out there who were different. There were people out there that wouldn't accept their beliefs in Jesus as the Savior. And they would go on to face trials of their own. Next to my bed at night, I I keep this cross. And if it looks a little different, that's because it's made, it's molded to be tightly held in the palm of my hand. It's made to cling to in prayer, in study, in devotion. It's there to remind me that Our lives will not be easy. Fear will come, but the morning will come as well. The cross stands as witness that the pain and the suffering we can see will not last forever. 
in faith. We hope for what we cannot see. We trust that Jesus does what he says he will do. And at the last, we'll take away the fear we wrestle with every day of our lives. And while we may feel like we're unable to see what, the mor- what tomorrow will bring, we believe that God's promises are good. We have faith that the Lord hears us when we cry out in pain and suffering. The Lord hears us when we pray, when we give thanks and, and acknowledge all those blessings in our lives. We trust that God is doing a new thing, even when we can't see it. What will it look like? We don't know that right now. And that might be scary. We might be afraid, but we wait with Ruth through the night and trust that our Redeemer is near to us. In the meantime, we work, we worship, we go about our lives, we welcome others. We listen and learn and trust and live and we walk by faith into the day the Lord has promised us. And we proclaim Christ with all we do and all we say. And we can share that good news with others. Do not be afraid. Our witness to Jesus' love is manifested in caring for the needs of those around us. What are we proclaiming? New life, forgiveness, peace. Our witness goes out to those who are not exactly like us as well. We live finding ways to protect one another, to share what we have, to be little Christs for one another, to show up in times of difficulties, to speak that word of hope, to be accepting, to be respecting of each other and meeting people where they are. We get to be ones that share this message of one who can take away fear, cover us with a cloak of love and protection and carry us into a new day, a new future, and a new life. If we're afraid in the night by the noise, the chaos, the loneliness, and the pain, we can be assured that in the morning we will see Jesus. In God's mercy, once again. Amen.